that a little better now? Do I have to go through that whole joke again? No? All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 21. Romans 2, verse 21. It says in verse 21, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? That thou, mayest, uh, that thou makest thy boast of the law, through baking the law dishonorest thou God? <clears throat> For in the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, the circumcision is made uncircumcision. And uh, here in this passage we see Christians that were talking a good talk, but he was challenging them, and does your walk match your talk? And uh, he says when your walk doesn't match your talk, it becomes in vain, is the gist of the passage. It becomes pointless. And um, really what the key in this passage, from what we just read, from what I can see, is that in our lives as Christians, we need to be consistent. There's got to be consistency. When we say one thing and do another, we become a stumbling block. And we're not any prophet to the kingdom of God. And so I want to challenge us tonight in the area of consistent Christians, being a consistent Christian. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Lord, I do thank you for this evening. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, Lord. I pray that I would only say the words that you would have me to say. Lord, I just pray that you would be exalted this evening. Lord, as we look into your word, we know that the truth is there. It's just a matter of our eyes being opened to see it. Lord, I pray that we would be able to make application tonight from the things that we hear from your word that will leave this place a stronger Christian than when we came in tonight. Again, Lord, I pray you be with our preacher. Keep him safe as he's away. In your name I pray, amen. Consistency in a Christian's life. The definition of consistency is a, is a steadfast adherence to the same principles or course. And as Christians, obviously we know that we have a course that's been laid out before us. We know that there's a finish line and it's in sight. We know what our life is going to consist of. But as we travel down this path of life, we know that we must remain consistent in order to grow. And especially in our spiritual life. If you have a baby and you don't feed it consistently, is that baby going to grow? Absolutely not. I could say the same thing about a teenager, but I think they find food one way or the other. Just remembering my teenage years. But if you're not consistent, there's not going to be the type of growth that you need as a Christian. And so I just want to challenge us in a couple areas this evening about being consistent in our Christian life. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly looking and seeking ways to grow. I want to get closer to the Lord. I want to draw nigh to Him. I know that He'll keep His end of the bargain of drawing nigh to me, of having a closer walk with the Lord. And so tonight I want to challenge you first in an area of being consistent in your worship. Being consistent in your worship. Worship goes way beyond just saying words of flattery to the Lord. And when we think of worship, that's what we think of. We think of uh, singing a song of praise or uh, thanking God for, for who He is. And yes, that's part of worship. But that's not all of what worship is. Worship, foundationally, is an attitude, a heart attitude of humility. And that's the first thing we've got to understand tonight. In order for us to be consistent in our worship, we've got to make sure that we are humble. The moment that we become puffed up with pride, 
is the moment that we've taken our eyes off of God and started looking this way. Looking at what we've accomplished. James chapter 4, verse 6, but it says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. So we know that as Christians, if we have pride in our lives, that we cannot be in an attitude of worship. Because God resists pride. If he's resisting us, then we can't be worshiping him. All right? And so we need to make sure tonight that we have the right heart attitude when it comes to this area of worship. Pride is, is like building up a barrier, a, a roadblock in this path to worship. And pride also is one of the most intense battles that we as Christians will fight in this life. It's so easy for us to become puffed up, to, to, to take uh, pride in our own strength. And that's who we are as human beings in our flesh is we'll look at things that we accomplish and we'll take God out of the picture, not maybe 100% giving Him the credit that it is only through His strength that we've accomplished anything. And that's what we've got to understand, that as Christians, we can do nothing without Him. As human beings, we will accomplish nothing without God's grace in our lives. So we need to take our eyes off of a vertical position and look horizontally. Look up to the Lord. Humility is the first and foremost requirement to worshiping the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 says, Love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. In order to have an attitude of worship towards the Lord, we've got to make sure that our whole heart is devoted and dedicated to Him. We must keep our focus on Him. A lot of times what we need to do as Christians, I read this quote once, is take the pen of reality and pop our bubble of conceitedness to reveal our true unworthiness. A lot of times what happens is we get just so puffed up with who we are and what we are that we won't allow God to work in our lives. It's at that point that we have the proper view of our position before the Lord, that we're nothing. And we need to have that attitude in order to have proper worship to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, whether, uh, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Service done to self in pride is not service at all. And a lot of times, especially in, in our ministry, it, it can become a point of pride in our areas of service. It can become a point of, look at what I did this week or you know, my accomplishment. And we need to constantly have a, a recheck, an evaluation. Am I doing this really to serve the Lord? Or has it become about me? Am I taking pride that it's growing? Not, not, a, not a pride of praise God for what he's done, but of, man, I, this thing's really going good because of what I'm putting into this. Whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We worship the Lord not just through praises and, 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 and songs, but we worship the Lord through our tithes and our offerings, through our serving in different ministries, through soul winning, through our relationships with one and another, through our devotions, through prayer. And so I would challenge you this evening in those areas, how consistent are you? We know as Christians we need to be growing. And in order to grow, there's got to be consistency. And this area of worship is one of those areas that we've got to be consistent in. So again, in tithes and offerings, in serving in different ministries, in soul winning, in relationships, in devotions, in prayer, how consistent are we? Is it a hit and miss? Is it when I can manage it? When I have the money to do it? When I have the time to do it? 
An attitude of worship takes priority over anything physical. And so we've got to realize that I can't do this on my own. I can't do it on my timing. I can't do it on what I perceive my checkbook to be able to do. I can't do it on the, the abilities that I perceive to have because we know that God will work through us in mighty ways even if we don't have the abilities that we think we need to have in order to accomplish something. Anything that we accomplish as a Christian that benefits the, glory, the kingdom of heaven has to be accomplished in an attitude and a heart of humility. And this brings worship to the Lord. But again, it's got to be something consistent. It can't be serving the Lord one day in the Spirit and serving the Lord the next day in the flesh. Romans 8.8 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Anything that we try to do in our own flesh it doesn't bring glory to God. It's not worship to the Lord. We must humble ourselves before the Lord in true realization of what we are. Of what we are. I mean, if we really think about it, evaluate ourselves, what are we? That God should love us the way that He does. That God should provide for us the way that He does. That God should send His only Son to save us from an eternity in hell the way that He did. We must realize what we are. But being consistent in worship is, is more than just being consistent in those areas of service. It's also being consistent to the house of God. And so then I would challenge you again, how consistent are you? Now I know I'm speaking to the Wednesday night crowd. The ones that are the, ones that are the backbone, really, of a church. Consistent in, in areas of ministry and service. And so I would encourage you to stay consistent in the area of worship in the house of God. This is what this place represents. Worshiping God. And you need to be consistent in your attendance. And then encourage those who aren't to do the same. It's not all about personal growth in a Christian's life. It's about exhorting one another. Something that Paul consistently did. Exhort. I exhort you, brother. I exhort you, brother. And so I would encourage you tonight, maybe you are being consistent in this area of worship, being in the house of God. Then encourage somebody else who's not. You look around at the auditorium this evening compared to a Sunday morning. Where's all the people at? We need to be encouraging others to be consistent in the house, the worship in the house of God. You know, and I, I, would, I would caution you this evening, as you, if you miss a service, to make it a point to be at the next one. To make extra effort to be at the next one. The reason I say that is because I've seen over and over again, the, the more that you miss, it's easier to mix the next time, miss the next time. You know, you missed one service, uh, you know, that wasn't all too bad. I can mix, I, I'll miss the next one. And, and it's easy to fall into a trap of uh, pretty soon not going to Wednesday night. And then, you know, I miss a Sunday night here, and then all of a sudden uh, it's been two, and it's been three, and it's been four. Now, I know sickness is going to come. You're going to have a sick child. Things like that are going to happen. But make it a priority if you miss a service to be at the next one. Consistent in our worship. Secondly, I'd like to challenge you this evening to be consistent in our walk consistent in our walk. And instinctively as Christians, when we hear that word walk, even myself, we would think about our relationship with God as far as reading the Bible. But our walk consists of so much more. And before we can establish what type of walk, or where we are in our walk, we need to establish what kind of walk we're on. According to the Bible, we can walk two different ways. 
We can walk according to the flesh, or we can walk according to the Spirit. If you're walking in the flesh this evening, the Bible is very clear that you're either not saved, or you're backslidden. If you're walking according to the flesh. And then, on the other hand, if you're walking according to the Spirit, that's walking in alignment with what God's Word teaches. Having communion with the Lord. Walking according to the Spirit. Your heart is in tune. But as I said earlier, our walk is so much more than just reading and, and you know, our personal devotions with the Lord. And so, besides that, obviously I would encourage you to be consistent in your reading your prayer life. It's something that we hear often. But I would like to encourage you in a couple other areas this evening as well. And I, I, I'll just read these verses. There's quite a few that I, I want to hit here. In Romans chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says to walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. We're to walk by faith. So easy as Christians, it's, it, it's, it's easy to get distracted by what's happening in the world, by what the circumstances are in our daily life. Instead of looking to God, trusting Him that He's going to come through for us. We need to walk by faith. I heard a statement once, that when I was a kid, there was this old black preacher that we had a tape of, and we would play it constantly. And uh, this, uh, he was an old, soulful preacher. and he, he, All the messages I ever heard him preach were only 10 or 15 minute messages. And, I mean, there were just whirlwind messages. You always had to put the tape on slow mode in order to hear what he was saying because he talked so fast. But I remember him using a statement. The statement was, Faith acts like a thing is so, even when it's not so, so that it might be so. Now that's a tongue tire. And imagine trying to listen to this guy spit it out 100 miles an hour. But faith acts like a thing is so, even when it's not so, so that it might be so. Expecting God to do something that we can't even imagine can be accomplished. Do we have that kind of faith? Now, we understand, and when we look through the Word of God, we see that He is the great physician, that He owns the cattle on a thousand hill, that He will supply our needs according to His riches and glory. We see promises like that, but it takes faith in order to claim a promise like that. My wife brought to my attention this evening, she, she said, ask for prayer. Her name was Ellie, a, a little, just an infant, a, a friend of ours, um, little girl, and she, she's, got a, she's had a kidney transplant. She's less than a year old. Um, just to, you know, she was born, the kidney's not functioning, so they had to give her a transplant. And um, the family just has faith. The whole time they went through that nine months of pregnancy, doctor after doctor saying, oh, you should just abort it. You should just terminate it now. It's, it's not gonna, we know it's not going to come out the way that it should, or what we consider to be a healthy baby. Just, just kill it, which boggles my mind. And on a side note of that, anyone that would vote for a president that would promote abortion. I know, I know a lot of Christians last time you know, that voted for President Obama. And um, besides anything else, I couldn't even, besides everything else that I disagree with him on, I wouldn't vote for the man just on the fact that he is for abortion. I mean, just that one fact alone. But, um, and, and that should be something we consider. But to think about this, and all these doctors pushing, and I was reading a little bit of a, a testimony that he has on a website, just giving glory to God for the miracles, they said uh, the baby won't survive. As soon as it's born, it's going to be dead if it doesn't die before then. And um, he's just given a, a testimony of how God has brought the baby this far, six or eight months along now. And, um, you know, just one thing after the next, God has healed. God has performed a miracle, and that little baby is still alive. And they were giving glory to God. 
I don't know what, you know, I would hope I'd have that kind of faith. You know, if I held my little six-month-old daughter, not knowing if I'd have her tomorrow. I don't know. But we need to be Christians that walk according to faith. Consistently walk according to faith. And I know many of you in this room tonight, you may have heartaches. You may have health problems. You may have different things that are in your life and you say, man, I just don't know. That's where faith picks in, kicks in. Where we say, you know what? My God can handle it. My God can do it. I know that He'll provide for me. I know that He is a great physician. And I know that even when things don't look like they're going to come through, that He'll come through for me. The Bible is very clear that without faith it is impossible to please God. And so as Christians, we need to walk by faith. Secondly, as Christians, we need, to, we need to walk in newness of life. We need to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The Bible is very clear that we're not to be conformed to this world, that, that we should be living a separated life. And I want to challenge you this evening to, to answer these questions, this question in your mind. If we as Christians are watching what the world watches, dressing as the world dresses, listening to the music the world listens to, prioritizing our finances and, and, uh, and our, our, our works above the Lord, or the way that the world does, or thinking the world thinks, are we living a separated life? And it's easy to instinctively say yes, but then if you really think about these things, do I enjoy the entertainment the world enjoys in, 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 a, in a fashion that doesn't bring glory to God? And you, and you challenge yourself in these areas. We're to walk in newness of life. We cannot mix the world and God. It doesn't mix. The one will pollute the other. If I have a gallon of distilled water and take one tablespoon of sewage, is it then pure water? No. It's been infected. It's been contaminated. And the same way in our Christian lives, we try to take a little bit of the world and mix it in with our Christianity. A little bit of its entertainment. A little bit of its music. A little bit of its lifestyle or pleasures. And just put a drop of it into our Christian life. We've then polluted our Christianity. We need to walk in newness of life, living a separated life. Romans chapter 13, verse 13, this is the next point. We're to walk honestly. Walk honestly. It says, let us walk honestly as in day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but, be, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Let us walk honestly. You know, when we think about walking honestly, obviously we think about telling the truth to those around us. But I want to ask you tonight, a lot of times what we do as Christians is, yeah, we're honest to those around us, but are you honest with yourself? Are you honest with yourself? I know for me, in any point in my Christian life where I begin to falter, it's because I began to tell myself lies. I began to justify things that were going on in my life, and I began to believe those lies. So then when it came to a point of evaluation, I'd say, oh, that's okay. And I'd believe a lie. And so as I challenge you this evening to walk consistently in different areas and walking honestly, are you honest 
with yourself. But or are there things in your life you know just shouldn't be there, but you know I've justified them. I've allowed them to stay. And remember, anything that we read from the Word of God is, is no good to us unless we make practical application to ourselves. Don't sit in the auditorium this evening with an attitude of that's good for a, another person. We really need to take something and look introspectively. Is that the right word? Introspectively? Look inside. Evaluate ourselves. Are we walking honestly? When we look at an area of our life, can we even tell where we're wrong anymore? I know as a teenager, and I've shared a part of this testimony before, but as I began to to stray a little bit into the world, I began to lose clarity of where the line was because I'd lied to myself about so many different things. And that's okay, it's not going to bother me, it'll be, you know, it's not going to affect anything. And believe me, I came to church and I sat just as straight and was respectful as any teenager would be in this auditorium to this evening. But I had lied to myself. And so I was coming to church, but I was no Christian. I was not Christ-like. And only by the grace of God, he gave me a little view and said, here's where you are, that's where you used to be, that's where you should be. And if it wasn't for that moment of realization of God's grace in my life saying, hey, you've come a long way, I would not be here before you tonight. It took a little bit of getting things right. It took a little bit of honesty to myself to say, you know what, I've got some problems. I need to get them straightened out. Do you walk honestly with yourself? Or do you justify your actions? And then we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, that we're to walk as men. And I'm going to pick up the pace here a little bit. 1 Corinthians 3, 3, we're to walk as men. And and what I want to challenge this evening is is the men in the church, and especially the young men, those that are the next generation, is to grow up to be men. Not to be backboneless. Ones that are willing to stand and fight. Ones that are willing to proclaim the name of Christ against all odds. The world is saying, oh, our ne- our, the next generation is so, so bad off, they're going to have to pay back all the debts, they're going to have to pay back all this. And that's true. It's going to take a lot to get out of the hole that we're in as a, as a, as a, a nation economically. But how much worse off are we spiritually as a nation? You know, it's easy for us to look at a number and say, wow, we're trillions of dollars in debt. Wow, that's incredible. But think about how devastated our morals are as a nation. And then think about the next generation. And so we need men that are going to be willing to stand. Men that are going to be willing to fight. Men that are going to be willing to lead, not just in, in, a, in, a, in a position as a, as a, a manager or a boss, but also as a, in the position of spiritual leadership. As the song says, what this dying world could use is a willing man of God who'll dare to go against the grain and work without applause. A man who's tough and gentle. A man whose word is sure. We just need a few good men. And that's so true. We need men today that are going to take a stand. On the flip side of that, we need women as well. They're going to back their husbands up. That are going to encourage them. Women who will be godly examples to the next generation. 
Women who will stand for morality and purity in a world that is so blackened by lewdness, for lack of a better word, filth. We need to walk as men and as women that bring glory to God. You know, the the way that God set it up in His Word was for the older generation to teach, teach the younger generation. The older should teach the younger. So what kind of walk do you have? Do you have something that you would want to see reflected in the next generation? Or is there areas you say, ah, you know, they, I wish they didn't have that part of me. And then adjust accordingly. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we're to walk in good works, in our service to the Lord, doing it with all our heart. You may serve in many ministries in different areas, but how many of those areas do we put our whole heart into? Every fiber of our being. It's easy to get caught up and busy in so many areas that you're not even doing one of them efficiently. We need to be consistent in our walk. And as we see, it's not just about a relationship with reading the Word of God and, and prayer, although that's a foundation of it all. That's got to be there. But there's so many other areas that we need to walk in. Thirdly, I'd like to challenge us this evening to be consistent in our wrestling. To be consistent in our wrestling. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in a battle that must be fought on a daily basis. The devil is a roaring lion that seeks whom he may devour. And so in order to, in order to wrestle consistently... Obviously, the first step to that is, is found in 2 Timothy 2, verse 4. It says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. So in order to be consistent in our wrestling, in order to be consistent in, our, in the Christian warfare that we're called to fight in, we need to make sure that we don't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. Set priority on spiritual things. What do you allow yourself to be exposed to these days? What do we allow to slip by? What do you allow as far as standards slipping with your children? Now, I know that me, you know, with the age of my daughter, I don't have to fight with her about things. But I know as she gets older, I've seen it. And even in my parents' life, I'm one of 11 kids. And uh, at some points in my life, there was uh, six or seven teenagers at once. And I've seen my parents war, wrestle with why, how come, why not, come on, please. And I've seen them, they're not perfect, they'll be the first to say it. I've seen them change things. I've seen them get worn down, move a, move a line a little bit. Because we have to be consistent in our wrestling. The devil's going to do everything in his power to wear us down. But it's the long haul that counts. It doesn't matter how strong of a wrestler you are. If you don't have endurance, you're not going to make it. Because that next wrestler, the other wrestler is just going to wear you down. By round two, you're going to be out for the count, down for the count. You've got to be consistent in our wrestling. The day that we decide to take down our defenses and allow, you know, just take a break 
is the day that the devil's going to hit us with everything that he's got. And you can, be, you can be assured of one thing, that whenever God starts doing anything great in your life, the devil's going to give you everything that he's got. Have you ever noticed when you feel you're at a, a, a point, a mountaintop in your Christian life, it's just like, it's like the bottom falls out of it? Everything falls apart. Things start happening around you. It's because the devil doesn't want you on that mountaintop. He wants you in the pits. And so even more so, we've got to be consistent in our wrestling, taking up the cross daily and following God, following Christ. You know, as we make this move and we begin work at the carousel and prepare for it to be our future uh, church building, the devil's going to fight us. We've already seen it. He's going to fight. There's going to be problems. There's going to be people that will rise up and, and fight against it. There's going to be complaining. There's going to be murmuring. Because the devil's going to use every trick in the book to try to discourage our preacher and discourage this church from moving forward, from growing, from reaching the city. And so we need to be consistent in our wrestling. Billy Sunday said, I'm, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I've got a head. I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. And when I'm old and fistless and foot, footless and toothless, I'll gum it till the day I go home to glory and it goes home to perdition. He was just saying, hey man, I'm going to fight. I'm going to be consistent in my wrestling. No matter what comes along, I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to keep the faith. We need to make sure that we're consistent in our wrestling. Chris, why don't you come up here for a minute? We read there that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But then also in, later on in that chapter, of Ephesians chapter 6, why don't you turn there if you would with me this evening, Ephesians chapter 6. We're talking about being consistent in our wrestling. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, we see how we're to stand as Christians, preparing us, what we need to do in order to fight the good fight. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so I want to demonstrate something for you tonight as I looked at this passage. And it's something that I've seen before is a, a, a great truth. If we look here, the first thing that we see, what's the first element of the armor that we're to wear? Someone say it. Loins. We're to have our loins girt about with truth. All right? So I'm going to tape some things on here, tape some things on Chris tonight. And then secondly, we see what's the next element, the next? The breastplate. All right? So we're to have the breastplate of righteousness. All right? The next thing, feet shod, all right, so I'll put that down here with the shoes, all right, next, what do we see? Shield of faith, how about an arm, put an arm out here, bend it like you're holding a shield, there we go, all right, we got the shield of faith, all right, next, helmet of salvation, good luck getting that off, gorilla tape, all right, 
the helmet of salvation, and then finally, what is the last thing? Sword of the Spirit. All right? That way your hand doesn't get weary holding the sword. All right. So we see that we're to take your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we see all the elements that a Christian needs to have to fight in order to wrestle. And we're talking about being consistent in our wrestling. Not giving up, not backing down, not turning tail and run, not quitting. With all those elements that we see there, can everyone see Chris? Everyone can see him? All right, take a couple steps. All right? I don't think he can see you, that's right, but you can see him. All these elements that a Christian is used to fight are elements that you use face on in a fight. You may have heard it before, seen it before, but what elements does he have to protect him when he turns and runs? There's nothing. There's nothing as a Christian that God has given us in a time of difficulty to just give up and turn and run. All the elements that we've been given as far as the armor that we've been, we've been told that will help us to fight, to wrestle, are elements that we need facing forward. It's only at that point when we're face on with them that they can do us any good. And so I challenge you this evening to be consistent in your wrestling. Don't allow yourself to get to a point in your life where it's just like, oh, man, this is just too tough. I don't know that I can do this. You say, well, that's, that, I don't ever say things like that. And it's not necessarily something that you'll say verbally, but it's just something that we say in our attitude, in our heart. It's just like, man, this is just too tough. My kid's just wearing me out. They want to do this. Oh, man, all right, I'll change. And we expose ourselves. All right, I'll stop fighting that fight. And again, we expose ourselves. You ever watch wrestling or fighting on TV? You, you watch the MMA or boxer? They don't ever turn their back on the opponent. So the moment they turn their back, they know it's going to hit them hard. They're going to be taken down. Chris, you can have a seat. Here, let me get that for you. All right. They're going to be taken down. So we need to be consistent in our wrestling. What's the trial? What's the difficulty you're facing? All of us have them. Every single one of us. There's something that we fight. We have besetting sins. We have areas of weakness. So in those areas, we need to be encouraged tonight in the Word of God that He'll be there to fight along with us. The Sunday school series that we're going through is Treasures in Darkness. That no matter how dark the time may seem, God's there in the dark. He's there, there to lead us through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Thou art with me. No matter how dark the night, no matter how difficult the the trial may seem, the Lord is there. And so be consistent in your wrestling. Sometimes it just takes just a little bit more. 
Just that little extra burst of energy. Just one more swing in the fight. You know, in the movies, you always see that it's just, you know, they're, they're climbing over a mountain. Oh, I just can't make it to the top. I can't. Oh, just one more step, one more step. You know, salvation is just around the corner. And oftentimes in a Christian's life, that's how it is. We give up a step right before it's there. And so I encourage you this evening to be consistent in your wrestling. And finally, be consistent in your witness. Be consistent in our witness. Not just out soul winning, but in your daily life. What kind of example of a Christian are we? Is it an example that brings glory to God? Or is it an example that just blends in with everybody else? We're to be consistent in our witness. We just act like a Christian when we're around another Christian. And then when we're at work, the foul language kicks in. And the, the camouflage Christianity mode kicks in. Where we just start to blend. We don't want to have to fight a fight. We don't want to have to stand up. We don't want to be looked upon as the weirdo. Being consistent in our witness. And I'm going to end with that this evening. Consistent in our worship, consistent in our walk, consistent in our wrestling, and consistent in our, worship, in our witness. We as Christians, we've got to be consistent. We're not going to grow. We're not going to be what God has for us to be without consistency. Because even if we are taking a step forward every once in a while and allowing ourselves to be pushed back, we're still never moving forward. We're never making progress. Be consistent, Christians. I ask you all to stand with me this evening as you bow your heads and close your eyes. Not anything complicated this evening. Not anything difficult. But as we really evaluate ourselves, are we consistent the way that we should be? Are we consistent in our worship? Are we consistent in our walk? Do you really have faith in the Lord the way that you should? Do you walk by faith? Do you walk honestly with yourself or have you justified things in your lives, things you know you shouldn't allow to be there? And I said, I know myself, I'm guilty of that often. Consistent Christians. As the instrument begins to play, the altars are open this evening. If the Lord has spoke to your heart, no matter how small the issue is, don't allow yourself to just let it go in one ear and out the next. 